and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, January the 28th. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace and God's life and God's goodness today. We have reached the weekend, brothers and sisters, and I hope this finds you well. So we are going to continue uh, through Mark's gospel today. I don't think we're going to finish up chapter 4 Gosh, that may be actually tomorrow, Saturdays, and so we may be jumping into five on Monday. But um, we're going to do a oh, little bit longer gospel today, probably about eight, nine verses, but it's a feast day today, uh, Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas. So that makes four out of five this week. We are celebrating holy days like they are going out of style. And brothers and sisters, they are not going out of style. This is good stuff. So we're going to talk a little bit about Thomas. Uh, Again, somebody who deserves far more than I will uh, be able to speak about him here today on this pod. So uh, with that being said, let's dive in to the, uh, the reading because I know I only have 20 minutes. I was reminded of that tonight repeatedly by, oh, Let's just say somebody who uh, has a 20-minute drive to work and likes to finish it up by the time she or he, but maybe she, gets there. So, with that said, let's uh, dive in. Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 34. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to the crowds, This is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scatter seed on the land and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He knows not how. Of its own accord, the land yields fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, he wields the sickle at once, for the harvest has come. He said, to what shall we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use for it? It is like a mustard seed that, when it is sown in the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. With many such parables, He spoke the word to them as they were able to understand it. Without parables, he did not speak to them, but to his own disciples, he explained everything in private. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I love that last image. And and again, we'll, we'll bring up a couple of different points, but with many such parables, he spoke to them as they were able to understand it. Because he spoke to an agrarian society, right? Again, think 2,000 years ago. Who are the people he's talking to? He's talking to simple folks. These are folks who know the land. These are folks who work the land for their food and their their well-being, right? And so he used examples with which they would be familiar, that they could get it. He spoke in a language they would understand. He didn't try to speak in a way that made him sound holy. He didn't try to speak in a way that made him sound 
intelligent, that people would look at him and say, wow, he must really be special. I don't understand a word he's saying, but the way he's saying it is amazing. He spoke to them in a way that they understood. He knew his audience, as it were. And he made sure he used examples that they could relate with. Boy, is that an example for us, isn't it? Um, that an invitation, at a minimum, for us to know our audience, uh, if I can use that word, to know those whom, with whom we are speaking um, and be able to speak in a language that they understand. Now, again, you and I have been given our own language. And, and for us to be authentic, for us to, to speak with authority like Jesus did, we need to speak in that language. But I think even in speaking in our own language, we can use examples or images or words or enter into the language of the other, right? Uh, many of you may be familiar with the book, The Five Love Languages. I, I, Renee introduced that to me, and, and I love that, that uh, book. Um, simple book, but the premise is this. Now, it's by Gary Chapman, so if you read it, please, I urge you, if you got it or, or you have a chance to get it, real simple, but the idea is this. There are basically five ways we say I love you. Through acts of service, through uh, words um, that, that bless others, through touch, through gifts, through spending quality time with people. And I'm going to use Renee as an example here. Uh, Renee's two love languages are acts of service and quality time. My two love languages are words of affirmation and touch. So naturally, when I try to say I love you to Renee, I will do it with my language, which is words of affirmation or touch. But Renee doesn't speak that language. Even though that is my love language, those two are my love languages, I have to understand what her love language is and I have to enter into it in order for her to hear me say, I love you. So I have to spend quality time with Renee. I have to do acts of service for her to understand, oh, Joe does love me. Not that this beautiful woman would ever doubt such a thing. Heaven forbid. Realize I'm using an example. However, that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's using examples that they would understand. He's getting into their understanding in their life by using things like to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? Well, it's like this guy, this woman, who scatters seed in the land, and then they go to bed, and they wake up the next day, and, and something happened. They go to bed, to, to bed again, or they have dinner, or they go off to have a cup of coffee, they come back, and, and it's growing. And, and they go to bed again, they come back, and it's sprouting. And they go back to bed again, and they come back, and it's producing grain. They don't know how. Because the land yields its fruit. The land does the work. So he's saying that's how the kingdom of God is. Brothers and sisters, it does the slow work of God, right? I mentioned yesterday, we live in a fast food culture. We live in a, in a culture that likes results now. But that's not the way of God. The way of God, as Jesus is using, is much more like the seasons, right? Those of us who live in the Northern Hemisphere right now, 
and we're experiencing the midst of winter. We don't go outside right now and cut the trees down because they're bare, thinking they've all died. We know there's life within them. And that life will slowly but surely come forth and show its buds in April or in May. And, and will show the fullness of its leaves in, in May and June and July. And will show its fruit in August, September, October. God can be understood. And we're going to talk about this in a little bit. God can be understood in the midst of God's creation. And so Jesus here is using that image and that example that God, the slow work of God happens. And we just have to trust it. That God will do the work. The land generates the growth of the seed. But we, brothers and sisters, to go back two days, we have to be open and fertile soil for that seed to be planted. We have to desire that seed. Goodness sakes, forgive the sexual image. I don't even know why I ask ask forgive. It's all God's uh, doing. But that seed planted within a woman takes nine months to gestate before it can be born forth. Why would we expect anything different within us? The slow work of God will come. And again, the image, as I was just sitting here pondering and praying, I've used it before and I love it, but it's that image of the yeast being kneaded into the dough until it infects the whole batch of dough. And then it rises. When? When we're sleeping. Or when we're off and we do it in the morning and we're off to work and we come back and see it. We can't watch it. Any more than we can watch the kingdom of God grow within us. But it happens. It happens if we simply open ourselves to it and allow God to work within us. We've got to water it. We've got to water it. We've got to make sure that that ground is, is tillable. We are the dance partner. We participate within the act. But we need to be women and men of patience. And women and men not um, challenging God, calling God out, and saying, God, I want to see you now on my time. I, Lord, make me patient now, as it were, the old joke, right? Um, it's more than that. We have to trust God, trust God's work and God's timing. Simply open ourselves and allow God to do the work as we water it and make sure the soil's tillable. The other thing, of course, is that, um, brothers and sisters, we don't need to be afraid by our smallness. I think there's something about us that always wants to be large and big. And boy, if I was only whatever, you know, in this position or known by these people or, or uh, in, inf- not infamous, but famous over here or whatever it is. But brothers and sisters, can we be comfortable in our smallness? Because God is. Jesus used the example of the mustard seed, the tiniest of all seeds. And if he can make that grow, he can use whatever's in us, the smallest of talents or gifts we have, the smallest of our intentions and desires, our hopes. In fact, I would argue that, that that's the history of Scripture, isn't it? I mentioned that the other day. The history of Scripture is Jesus using all the wrong people. Well, 
Isn't that what he's saying here today? That in our weakness, we are strong? And I know, brothers and sisters, it's it, it can be, at least for me, I suspect for you too, it can be hard to be vulnerable. But I think in our vulnerabilities, uh, I think God is born in the beauty and in the trust that is sown within marriages, within families, within communities where we can be vulnerable with each other. If Christmas taught us anything, it's the vulnerability of God, right? That God was vulnerable and not afraid to be born into that. Listen, the history of Scripture is the history of God using the weak and showing his strength through it, starting with the people of Israel. The crossroads of every nation, warring nation going through there. And if God can use the, the, the Hebrew people to bring about his goodness, which he did, which he did, he can use anything within us. Let's talk about St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, okay, Thomas. Uh, okay, so think, first of all, back to about the 13th century. Okay, everybody got it? We're back to the 13th century. Thomas was born in 1225. Why is that important? Because the Franciscan and Dominican orders, what we call the mendicant orders, the begging orders, because they didn't, um, you know, rely on any, uh, you know, they relied basically, men, the mendicants rely on the goodness of others. They didn't have, you know, a steady stream of income from wealthy people. They trusted God day to day to day. Why is that important? Because at the age of five, um, Thomas Aquinas, he was born in 1225. At the age of five, his parents gave him to a Benedictine, casino, or a Benedictine monastery, the one at Monte Cassino, which is a very famous monastery. And they wanted him, ultimately, to become an abbot. They wanted him to be a Benedictine. Now, Benedictines are the oldest religious order, a wonderful and beautiful order. Um, and they wanted him to be Benedictine. Well, he got to be the age of 18, after, you know, he'd studied, and a brilliant young man. And he decided he wanted to be one of these mendicant orders, so he joined the Dominicans. Well, mom and dad didn't care for that too much, so... They said to the, one of Thomas's older brothers, go there and kidnap him. Brought him back to his house where he stayed for a year. Well, when he finally broke loose, he did go join the, uh, the Dominicans and um, began the life of just being uh, incredible uh, because it was in this time when he was studying, he was studying at Paris, studying at Cologne, studying in Rome, uh, that he, I would say he met, well, met the bones of, met the teachings of, let's say that, of Aristotle. And um, he combined, or, or in, a, in a brilliant way, took the teachings of Aristotle and melded them in with the understanding of Christ and, uh, and the church and the catechism. And it's how we came up with the scholastic idea. Uh, whenever you hear that term, scholasticism, uh, that's, that's Thomas Aquinas. That came directly out of here. And so he, just a brilliant, brilliant man. Um, so one of the, the greatest contributions, I would say, that, that he is known for, I mean, he's called the angelic doctor. So he's one of, again, the 34-ish doctors of the church. And, and literally one of the most brilliant minds within 
the 2000 year history of, uh, of the, the faith. Uh, I mean, we're talking Augustine and Aquinas are probably where you start. And um, interestingly enough, so his greatest work would be his Summa that people would, would, would point to. And his Summa, so basically the sum of all theology is what it was. He was doing the, the entirety of the faith. And Thomas, uh, so he died young. He died at the age of 49. He had a mystical experience shortly before his death, about three months before his death. And he was writing the Summa at this time. And he stopped writing it. And, and when I say a mystical experience, an experience of God that was, you know, just, um, you know, kind of otherworldly. It just very personal, intense, and, and experiential. And um, he stopped writing the Summa after that. And people said, why did you stop writing? And he said, listen, I can't go on because everything that I've written seems to me like so much straw compared to what I have seen and what has been revealed to me. Brothers and sisters, listen, we honor Thomas Aquinas today, one of the greatest thinkers, uh, one of the people who, who listened to the call of God uh, and went his way. But one of the, the beautiful things he passes down to us is what I referenced earlier in that we see the action of God, the movement of God within creation. We can know God by knowing creation. I referenced that two days ago or so, two or three days ago, but I, I, I did it again tonight, but we heard it in the gospel, right? The kingdom of God is like planting that seed uh, and, and it'll grow, but it takes its time, but the land will do the work. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm almost to 20 minutes. I got to do the, the rosary. For those who think I may have meandered a bit on this road, let me give you the points. The point is, listen, God's going to do the work. God can use whatever small thing we have. Don't worry about that. Trust God. Trust in the slow work of God, okay? We don't have to see it to trust God's being. And trust that God, the history of Scripture is the history of him using that which is weak to show his strength, not our own. It's okay to be vulnerable because God can use that. And we honor wonderful women and men today like St. Thomas Aquinas in our tradition. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The fifth glorious mystery, the institu- or luminous mystery, the institution of the Eucharist. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. 
Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. And Mariah, my apologies. I may have gone a minute or two long today. My friends, bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. And uh, I just look forward to us being back together again next week. God's peace.